0: Tennis Podcast. Host, Nick. Are you recording? (laughs) What is this? (laughs) Have you, did you have a stroke? I had a stroke of good fortune because I'm here with the listeners and we're about to record a new episode, episode 64 of the Tennis Podcast.
1: The show where we talk about lists Right. And I have a list. I brought today's list. You're not aware of what is on the list, this top 10 list. Right. And I'm about to tell you, are you ready? I suppose. As of this recording, Disney Plus has just come out. Uh So, if you haven't gotten Disney Plus, it's seven bucks a month. There's all kinds of great stuff on it. And among those great things on it are movies that have been in the vault. You know, Disney has the vault, they release a movie or let a movie be sold on uh, DVD or Blu-ray for a limited amount of time, I guess to create like artificial scarcity. Supply and demand, economics Brandon. Yeah, well, these masters of economics have made it very difficult for a lot of young kids now have not seen some what we would call classic Disney movies and we only saw them for the most part on VHS. So, today, we are going to talk about the best selling VHS titles in the United States of all time and as you've probably already guessed, many of them, most of them are Disney films. All of them except for one where VHS is released in the 90s.
0: Okay, let's level set here. You're talking about VHS tapes, the best selling VHS tapes mm-hmm. of all time, most of them happen to be in the 90s which
1: was the peak of VHS viewing I guess. Right. This is sales data by number of units sold? By number of units. I actually have the top 25 uh, but we're only going to be discussing in detail the top 10.
0: So, why don't you explain for our younger listeners, what is a VHS, Brandon? How do you catch a VHS? From which type of disease family is that?
1: <laughs> uh, a VHS is a plastic video cassette that contains a physical tape bun around uh, some little wheels inside. Mm. That's true. When you put it in a VCR, the VCR automatically opens the tape head and spools the tape through and I have no idea how the magic happens after that.
0: It's the precursor to DVDs basically, which is the precursor to Blu-rays, which is the precursor to 4K. <laughs> <whatever> <laughs> which is the
1: free- precursor to being strapped down to a bed. Watching movies in your mind. Yeah, watching, being strapped to a bed and just having movies streamed into your brain so you don't have to think or move.
0: Movies happen to you in the future. Right. So, yeah, it's how people watched movies at home all the way up until like early 2000s. What I'm interested to know is, maybe you don't know this, but is there a big correlation between the top grossing at the box office in the
1: 90s and this list? Yes. All of these movies except for 2 also came out within a year the VHS being released and All of these films that came out in the 90s along with the VHS being released in the 90s were the top movies of the 90s. Like when you think of the 90s, especially the three that are not Disney films, these are like the three I think definitive summer blockbuster films. The other seven movies are Disney films and two of those, the film was released way before VHS. All right, this is interesting Brandon, you've you've got my attention. Right.
0: What now? Now, you start guessing. Is there porn in the top 10? Let's just be real. Nope. Isn't that a thing? Before the internet, people used to drive to the porn store to buy their VHS tapes of porn, now th- take it home, Lock <laughs> their wife in the bedroom and then just spend the night watching porn on your big screen TV in your man cave
1: with the wood panel walls. And then you got to be kind, rewind before you take it back. Yeah. So, they won't know where you, you know, stopped watching it. You know, I know you were around like before
0: film was ever invented but for me, my formative years were right on that fringe line between old technology and new. I grew up with VHSs but I also grew up with DVDs later Right. but like I listened to cassette tapes. I had my big Willie-style Will Smith cassette tape when I was nine years old. (laughs) My parents didn't have a cell phone when I was a kid but they did when I was a teenager. So, I'm just making the point that I kind of saw I was on both sides of the coin on this deal. Whereas your entire childhood up until high school or maybe even college, there were no
1: DVDs. I remember the first VHS that I received. Uh, It's actually in the top 25. I'll tell you that number 15 on the list is E.T. the Extraterrestrial. I got that VHS for my fourth birthday. Fast forward to college and I remember there was one year in college where the kind of default answer for anyone like, hey, what are you asking for for Christmas or what did you get for Christmas? The answer was DVDs. Because people were slowly switching over to a new format. I
0: remember thinking I was probably nine or ten, and I was at Blockbuster with my mom, and we were asking the front desk guy like, "What's the big deal with DVDs? I mean, aren't they don't they just do the same thing?" And he was like, "Well, you can you can skip scenes, and I'll tell you what the number one advantage of well, actually, the number one advantage of streaming versus even DVDs nowadays, because mm-hmm. I I have kids, so starts where you left off. Well, there's that, but. Dude, when I have to load in a DVD versus just picking a movie like on Netflix... You're rolling your eyes. With the Netflix, it just starts. You just pick it and start. With the DVD, you got to sit through fucking 20 minutes of menus or previews, you have to skip everyone. Some DVDs let you just hit menu on the remote and skip it all but some, especially Disney's very guilty of not allowing
1: you to skip the opening shit. You spend 25 bucks and then you have to watch like 10 minutes worth of commercials for other stuff you haven't bought yet every time you put the DVD in.
0: Not just the first time, but every time you put the DVD in, you got you to gotta sit through that shit. Even sometimes when the menu screen comes up where you can select play or scenes or extras, sometimes it's like an animated deal that takes like a full 30 seconds. You got to watch that stupid crap. Yeah. Anyway, uh, this is what people listen to our podcast for to hear me bitching about
1: DVDs. So, yeah, I'm ready to guess. All right. Again, seven of these are Disney films, three of them are not. The three that are not are clearly summer blockbusters. I'm going to give you a
0: left field guess here. Okay. It probably isn't in the top 10, but maybe top 25. Free Willy. Free Willy is not in the top 25. I remember that being the shit huh? back in the day. Okay. I'm going I'm to try to nail the non-Disney first. Okay. The Rock star
1: Nicolas Cage. Unfortunately not. There are no R-rated films in the top 10. Titanic. Titanic is on the list. Titanic is the fourth highest selling VHS tape of all time. The film came out in 97 but the VHS... I don't think
0: that's a summer blockbuster by the way. I think that came out in December. Did it? Uh,
1: Let me see. Pretty sure. It did. Your boy knows date. December 19th, 1997. Still a blockbuster. Came out in 97. Uh, VHS was released in 1998 and sold 25 million copies. Now, when I was a kid, I was interested in the sinking of the Titanic. I think a lot of kids or uh, even adults go through kind of like a shipwreck interest phase. Mm, I don't know about that but okay. I remember I checked out like several big picture books from the library including adult books on the sinking and then the discovery of the wreckage, how the ship was built, like how it was kind of revolutionary for its time. So, I was super excited to see the movie I did not realize, however, how... Shitty? (laughs) Yeah, I loved all the history stuff but I didn't realize like it was mostly a corny love story. I mean, I guess I should have seen that coming. You have to package this history with something and uh, I don't know. I think there was a lot of tears in the movie theater among people feeling emotional about the two main fictional characters and not so much about like the actual few thousand people that froze to death and drowned.
0: I know. You were what? Probably late teens when this came out? I was 16, yeah. I was quite a bit younger than that and I remember when this thing came out on VHS, me and all my little uh, friends that were all entering to puberty right around this time, we love to sneak that VHS off the shelf at a, at a sleepover, pop it in the movie, fast forward right to the- Watch her be drawn like a <laughs> French girl. <laughs> uh, I mean, you said it but- I know uh, a lot of boys out there can relate because this is, you know, in 1997, little boys like me didn't have access to much more than that in the world. Mm-mm. So, you took what you could get.
1: And on VHS, you would have to very carefully rewind and pause. Pause the re- and then you, on the pause screen, there'd always be lines on the screen. You weren't getting that 4K pristine boob shot. Yeah. Most people know all of these films very well. Mm-hmm. So, I'm not going to recap the plot of these movies most of us have seen multiple times, but I did try to find some interesting facts that I didn't know about movies that I think we are all familiar with. So, this is one I learned Tom Cruise was interested in the role of Jack Dawson that originally went to Leonardo DiCaprio. And I was thinking about this. Wasn't he like too old? Yeah, he was too old but I love like, I wish they would have done it anyway. (laughs) So, when Leonardo DiCaprio is on the front of the ship with his buddy at the beginning, when he puts his arms out and says, I'm the king of the world. Yeah. Real asshole, by the way. Yeah. Real douche move. (laughs) But imagine that as Tom Cruise and it completely makes sense. Yeah. Tom Cruise has probably done that before like on a yacht. He's probably done it on a helicopter, on a jet. I think they missed an opportunity to amp up (laughs) literally everything about the movie just by putting Tom Cruise in it.
0: And you know who should have replaced Kate Winslet in this case? Tom Cruise? Whoopi Goldberg. I would have watched it. Can you imagine a love story between Tom Cruise and Whoopi Goldberg?
1: (laughs) I would watch it. (laughs) On the Titanic. I don't care what movie it was. (laughs) I I mean, the Titanic part sells it even more for me. Rosie O'Donnell and Tom Cruise. She used to be obsessed with Tom Cruise (laughs) when she had her talk show. Oh, yeah, yeah. What a weird time for America. Anyway, yeah. so another thing uh, about Titanic, you know, James Cameron did tons of research to make it as historically accurate as possible. And then a few years ago, it was released on like, you know, stunning Blu-ray or whatever. And Neil deGrasse Tyson, America's favorite annoying nerd,
0: Whoa, whoa, hot take. I like that guy. Listener of the show.
1: He is kind of an, like a huge nerd. Well, yeah, but... Not in the way that I like like a nerd, but in the way where he says like kind of smarmy, smug, douchey things. It's like, yeah, man, we all we, we get Well, science. he started to buy his own shit a little bit, I'll admit. Right. So, he... This is a good example of it. He pointed out obnoxiously to James Cameron that the stars in the sky were wrong when the ship was sinking. They should have been in different places or whatever. So, James Cameron changed it and I think James Cameron should have said, shut the fuck up. (laughs) James Cameron is amazing. Like if you completely ignore the whole avatar Uh, thing, which is also amazing. If you ignore Terminator and Terminator 2, if you just concentrated on him making Titanic, he is one of the most impressive people or interesting people I've ever heard of. So, James Cameron had a fascination with shipwrecks, uh, same as I did as a kid and for him, he said that Titanic was... You just compared was, yourself to James Cameron, okay. Well, we have the same basic interest in shipwrecks. <laughs> Nothing From there on, our, our stories diverge. Mm-hmm. Uh, he said that Titanic was like the Mount Everest of shipwrecks because of where it rested so deep in the ocean. A IMAX film was made in the 90s that had footage of the wreck and James Cameron wanted to do the same thing. But he works in Hollywood so, he sought Hollywood producers funding to pay for an expedition to do that same thing. So, he, wa- he said he did not necessarily or particularly want to make the movie Titanic, he just wanted to dive down to the shipwreck and have someone else pay for it. Okay. And so, the movie Titanic was born out of that. Right, it was nominated for 14 Academy Awards. It won 11 of them and it's one of the highest grossing films of all time. All this was secondary to the fact that he just wanted to dive down in a submarine and look at the Titanic. Did he get to do that? He did get to do that. So, his crew shot 12 times at the wreck of the Titanic in the summer of 95 and at that depth, 6,000 pounds per square inch under the ocean at that depth. If any minor thing goes wrong, you and, and your submarine are instantly destroyed. Yeah. What a badass. He went down to the bottom of the ocean just because he thought like, man, this thing would be awesome to take a look at. I'm going to get Hollywood producers to pay for it and then I'm going to reap all the benefits of this being like a billion dollar movie. Um, When you're ready to climb down off James Cameron's dick. Never.
0: You can uh, let him know that I'm still mad at him for Avatar.
1: Oh. Well, you've got more avatars coming out to uh, maybe cleanse the palette.
0: Yeah. So that's, uh, that's Titanic. It launched Leo. Well, Leo was like, he was a thing before that, but it kind of catapulted him. Yeah. It also launched uh, Celine. Okay. I don't know if it launched her, but that's the first time I heard of Celine Dion. It really helped them all. Titanic, number four. Yeah. 25 million copies. Do you know if that 25 million. Uh, I know, like for albums, if there, if a double album comes out, oh. like it's
1: counted twice. It was a two a double VHS purchase, but no, nah, just counts of single units. Fucking nineteen ninety seven,
0: we had landed on the moon thirty years earlier, and we still had restraints and tapes to where you had to switch the tape halfway through the movie to finish it. Yeah, one hundred and ninety
1: five minutes. That what a pain in the ass.
0: I remember the box for the double tape Titanic. The first box was all lovey-dovey, the ship is intact and mm-hmm. beautiful and the second box had all the shipwreck scenage and it was darker. Yeah. Uh, rest in peace, Titanic people. Okay. Oh, uh, hey, I'm gonna try uh, to
1: hit. I just remembered something about the Titanic. So in Branson, Missouri. If you're listening if you're listening yeah. to this and you don't know what Branson, Missouri is and you don't know wanna... Las Vegas of Missouri. Right, it's a Las Vegas if it was run by Ned Flanders. <laughs> one of the attractions there that is kind of cool is a Titanic museum. The museum's really cool. They got a lot of original pieces, cool replicas. But one of the last things in the museum is they have a sink of water that is chilled to the same temperature that Ugh. the water was the night that the Titanic sink. There's a sign there, it's a challenge to put your hand in that water and see how long you can last. And if I remember right, making about 10 seconds was excruciating. Yeah,
0: I can only imagine. There were fucking babies in that water.
1: I also read a little bit about uh, John Jacob Astor IV. He was one of the wealthiest men in the world and he died on the Titanic. He has a very small kind of cameo part in the film. I read about the real guy, John Jacob Astor IV, wealthy industrialist who died. He put his wife and children on a boat and he attempted to get on it with them but You know, they said this is for women and children, so he hung back. The stories go that he may have even put two children on a lifeboat in his place. He was last seen standing on the deck and smoking a cigarette with somebody. Well, that's the last time he saw on the ship before it sank. After it sank, a witness said that they saw John Jacob Astor and another man holding on to some sort of raft or something and they floated for a while until he said their legs grew so numb that they could no longer kick and they slipped into the ocean and drowned. That is some dark stuff. The richest man in the world died because his legs went numb and he slipped into the icy waters.
0: Forgive my ignorance here, but if you die like he did and you sink to the bottom of the ocean, Mm -hmm. what is the decomposition process like for a human body at that point?
1: Interesting that you mentioned that. I told you when I was a kid, I got these big picture books for the Titanic and this image that stuck with me kind of haunted me as a kid and I can still picture it now is an image on the bottom of the ocean floor. You know, like I think it's like a mile or two miles down, something like that. An image on the ocean floor of a pair of shoes, empty pair of shoes right where that person laid and died. They're about shoulder width apart. And that's all that's left. So, after they sink to the bottom, I think the pressure probably does a damage to their soft tissue as they... Does a number on them. As they sink, right. And then the, uh, all the little bottom feeder critters in the ocean probably make short work of all the soft tissue.
0: Bottom feeder? Are we talking about Tom Cruise again?
1: <laughs> he would just do a free dive down there. <laughs> yeah, go for it. Titanic. All right, that's Titanic.
0: Another non-Disney movie in the top 10, it's not rated R. Give me a second
1: here. There are two remaining 90s blockbusters. Both of them are definitive summer blockbusters. Well, Terminator 2 was rated R, right? Terminator 2 was rated R. It is not in the top 25 and it came out in 1991 or 92. And yeah, it's strangely not in the top here. Scream couldn't be then either because it's rated R.
0: Uh, What else am I missing? Forrest Gump. Nope. Blockbuster.
1: Think what would kids also want to rewatch? A lot of these are top-selling VHSs because of the children's rewatchability. But it's not Disney. No, I would say these two movies that are left are like if you're. I saw both of them when I was between like ten and twelve years old, and I was ripe for them. The Santa Claus. <laughs> <To> no. <now. laughs> I need another hint. Okay, these movies are not necessarily directed specifically at kids. They both feature some landmarks in the use of computer-generated effects.
0: Oh, Star Wars Episode One?
1: No, nope, that's not on here. That's 99.
0: There was no other Star Wars in the 90s. There's no...
1: You're missing two big ones that you're going to go like, oh. I'll, t- I'll give you a clue. One of these has four sequels. One of them came out just a year or two ago. And the other one has one sequel that I heard sucked. I never saw it. And it came out, I don't know, three or four years ago. People are probably going to scream at you when you finally guess what these are. It's got jokes, it's got explosions, it's got creatures, they've got it's just... Oh, Jurassic Park, Jurassic Park. Jurassic Park is one of them and it is number seven. Now, that movie came out in 93... Uh, so, I was 11 when it was released in theaters. Uh, the VHS was released the now, next Hang on, D- do you mean you were 11 when dinosaurs actually walked the earth? Yeah. I just want to clarify. The VHS was in 94 and it sold 20 million, 21 million copies. Jurassic Park, most of us are intimately familiar with the story. We're not going to cover the fact that dinosaurs ran amok and ate a lawyer. <laughs> what we are going to talk about is that... Did you know Steven Spielberg made that movie the same year as Schindler's List? I guess I hadn't thought of that. I mean, if you want to start swinging from the balls of the director, how about the guy who made two of the most important movies in the last like 20 or 30 years in the same year and they could not like, they couldn't be more different in terms of theme or art? You know, John Williams... Was the composer for both of those films as well. And oh, weird. like the cinematography, this, I mean, obviously the story, the cinematography, the tone, the music, everything is completely different. I think it would be very interesting for someone who's smarter than me to do an analysis on the comparison, on the similarities in their directorial style between Jurassic Park and Schindler's List.
0: Well, plus Jerry made out during Schindler's List.
1: <laughs> yes. And So, another thing I found out about Jurassic Park I did not know before today, the Tyrannosaurus roar was made from a combination of dog, penguin, tiger, alligator and elephant sounds.
0: Yeah, I'd actually heard that before
1: and that, that roar is so iconic now, I can hear it in my head right now as you say it. The first time he steps into the road and stands in front of those two cars, I think it's the point where Dr. Malcolm gets out of the car and, or Dr. Grant gets out of the car and tries to distract the T-Rex before he attacks the kids. That's when he looks up and does that first roar kind of towards the camera Mm -hmm. and I'll probably remember it for the rest of my life.
0: By the way, side note, I think I read that the uh, main cast from the first Jurassic Park is going to be in the new Jurassic World. At least Jeff Goldblum.
1: Yeah, I saw that too. Yeah, another one. I'll probably see it. I didn't see the last one because it looked, I don't know.
0: Yeah, the Jurassic World trilogy, I think it's a trilogy now or whatever, they're like fun and exciting. It's like a popcorn movie, right? But they're not good in the same way that like Jurassic Park was good. No. And even Jurassic Park 2 and 3 were a lot less good than Jurassic Park 1, still enjoyed them though. Something impressive about Jurassic Park is I think the uh, effects still hold up really well and it was all... It was either entirely or mostly done with animatronics well not CGI
1: i've read that part of the reason why it holds up so well is because many of the most of the CGI was based on the animatronic models rather than completely created oh, within a computer so that that does help that part where he roars at the camera too you can see all the way inside his mouth mhm oh, holy shit yeah another thing i learned about jurassic park was that after the movie all of the cast were given a lifelike raptor model, a Velociraptor model, that was signed by Steven Spielberg as a gift, <laughs> and it looked terrifying.
0: Isn't that's a bit of a dick or a big shot move, right? Because by the time the cast was done with the movie, Steven Spielberg is probably on like a friendship level with them.
1: Yeah, right like here's a but dinosaur. But still like, here, I'll sign this for you, I guess. Now Ariana Richards, who played uh, the girl Lex in the movie, she still has hers uh, at her house. It's posed to shock anyone who comes in like a guard at the front gate. Uh, Jeff Goldblum's raptor has a prime spot inside his house in Manhattan. Uh, It's a cherished object and I'm positive that Jeff Goldblum probably used the word cherished. (laughs) (laughs) Laura Dern, the actress who played Dr. Sattler, she put her raptor model in her son's bedroom near his crib. And then when he was older Good idea. and noticed it, he screamed like never before. I can't imagine why. She had to put it in storage. <laughs> That's what we've learned. That's the new stuff we've learned about Jurassic Park today.
0: It's a classic. It's in my top 10 of all time. Agreed. Okay. So, I got Titanic number four and Jurassic Park number seven. I got a okay. hustle
1: here. There's one more non-Disney summer blockbuster. Okay. In this summer blockbuster, the world was invaded and oh, attacked. Oh, uh, Independence Day. Independence Day is number six on the list just ahead of Jurassic Park. I haven't seen it. You have not seen Independence Day. Did I stutter? Well, I mean, I think that's kind of interesting. It came out in the 90s, you probably would have been maybe a little young when it first came out but I'll go ahead and tell you, you're not missing anything. Whoa, I, th- I thought everyone loved the movie. Yeah, but at this point, you've seen all the movies that are iterative or have borrowed from Independence Day to the point where it probably wouldn't be quite as interesting to you as, uh, as it was in, in 96. Independence Day came out in 96, the summer came out July 4th, 96. The VHS was released that same year. They must have been in a hurry to get it out before Christmas. It sold 22 million copies. Now, I know you haven't seen it but I'm sure you're very familiar with the film just because of how ingrained it is in pop culture. Mm-hmm. Are you familiar with the phrase, welcome to earth? Yes. So, you haven't even seen it and you know that Will Smith punches an alien in the head and tells him, welcome to earth. Yes. The movie is full of corny dialogue. At the end, Bill Pullman is the president and he gives the most corny speech to the whole world. He gives a speech to the entire world <laughs> inviting them to celebrate their independence day. Their independence from aliens. What's wrong with that? Well, it's awfully like <laughs> nationalistic. Like, hey, uh, we're the best. And if you want to be free to, you're going to celebrate it today with us.
0: But America is God's country, everyone knows it.
1: it This was the forefront of the large-scale disaster film. Uh, They kind of picked up and took off after Independence Day. But I want to know, Nick, do you feel that UFOs are real? I know maybe we've talked about this before but maybe your opinion has changed.
0: Are UFOs real? First, I'll give a brief teaser that here in the next few episodes, I do have a UFO-based list. Uh, So, be looking forward to that. (laughs) Are UFOs real? Well, it depends on what you mean by UFOs. Do you mean are the UFOs that have been claimed to have been seen by people of Earth real?
1: Spaceships piloted by extraterrestrial beings. Are you asking if they visited Earth? Yeah. I'll say yes. I say yes too. Now, if aliens come like they did in Independence Day, and Independence Day, they were here specifically to suck up our resources. Suck up our what? Our, res- our natural resources. Okay. Our natural resources. Got it. To me, is also kind of stupid. I love getting my natural resources sucked up. Because, so our natural resources, we have oxygen, which is abundant throughout the whole universe. We have water, which I'm positive is even abundant elsewhere in the solar system and probably easily accessible in a galaxy or a solar system closer to where the aliens originated. And if it's petroleum or natural gas, they've got a huge problem because surely they're using some sort of space age, cold fusion, nuclear stuff. I don't think if aliens come, they're looking for natural resources. I think they're looking to uh, mate with us.
0: Uh, To mate with us and or put things into our butts. But I got to say... If they do come for natural resources, I think the argument would be that their resources are depleted where they're from.
1: All right. I'm saying that there's probably resources that were closer. Nah, they probably sucked up all those resources too. They're like locusts. That's what they say in the movie. They're like locusts. Yeah. So, the US military was originally intended to provide personnel, vehicles and costumes for the film but they backed out when the producers refused to remove the script's references to Area 51.
0: Okay, let's talk about that. We both believe that some version of UFOs exist, and they've visited Earth. Yeah. Do you think that the government? We know they're hiding something at Area 51. It's because it's you know just by the very nature, it's classified. But do you think they're hiding what people think they're hiding?
1: I think aliens. That, I think that they recovered alien technology, and that the alien technology is hell is probably not held there anymore, but it was at one time. I think alien technology has also been held at Wright-Patterson Air Force Base and is most definitely held at Dulce Base in New Mexico. I also think that a lot of the UFOs that people have reported to see around Area 51 are not extraterrestrial in origin, but are the U- US military's attempts to replicate and use alien technology for more advanced ships and flying stuff. Do you think Roswell was
0: UFO-based? Yes. Uh, Alien-based, I should say.
1: Yeah, because the alternative is so much less fun. <laughs> well, that's not a reason to believe in something. But it doesn't hurt anything. It doesn't, no, hurt, it anything. doesn't hurt anything.
0: But I just want to know if the facts make you believe that it had to have been something alien-related.
1: There's enough horse shit covering it up that there has to be, there's got to be something to it.
0: So, was not a weather balloon, Brandon?
1: No, um... There are some pretty credible military witnesses that Tom Cruise that would have been able to say that you know this is if they said that there's no way that this material is made on Earth. I'm going to trust someone who's high up in the military. They've probably seen a few things, even if it's not something that whatever. I believe them. I think it's true.
0: Yeah, but there's other military experts that say the opposite, and I, I'm just playing devil's advocate. By the way, I'm actually on your side on this, but I'm just
1: yeah. They're made to say that by the government. I also yeah. saw. I saw a clip on Twitter this morning of an ABC journalist caught on a hot microphone talking about how three years ago, they had the Epstein story, they had all the same evidence, told you they had that shit and they had that witness, her name was Kate or Katie something, who was going to testify and they said that the British Crown contacted them because of the implications of Prince Andrew and threatened them. And the reason they backed off the story was because they wouldn't get their interview with Prince Harry and his wife. Don't you just love the world? It's such a great place. If you listeners
0: out there want to know the truth about Jeffrey Epstein, go find our bonus episode at patreon.com slash tennis pod. All right. So I do now think UFOs are real. Yeah. And I think Jeffrey Epstein didn't kill himself. Go ahead. Or at least not... Oh, never mind.
1: Go ahead. <laughs> now, all you have left are animated Disney films. I think these will be easier.
0: I think they will be too. Number one, I'll save number one. I think I know what it is. Okay. I'll guess another one. The Little Mermaid came out, I think in 89, 88 maybe.
1: Yeah, I got some bad news for you, bro. What? Little Mermaid is number 25 on the list.
0: That's what I was going for. Did I not say before I'm trying to guess number 25? I can't believe it. Is there a lot of 80s movies ahead of it? No. I would have thought people were buying... The VHS, even if they didn't want to watch it, they just wanted to see the cover. They want to see
1: the titties on the cover, am I right? (laughs) The golden dildo in the background? Oh, it's a dildo. Yeah, I thought it was a titty. This this one (laughs) kind of confuses me. I don't know why it's so low. It only has 10 million copies. Okay, okay. As opposed to Aladdin, which is further up on the list and I think you'll be shocked at how many more that one has.
0: Is Aladdin in the top 10? Yeah. Okay,
1: I'll bet it's number nine. It is not. It is number
0: 10. It's number three. Ah, bullshit. This list is horseshit.
1: (laughs) The VHS for Aladdin came out in 93. The movie came out the year before 92 and it sold 25 million copies. It sold two and a half times what The Little Mermaid sold. Isn't that nuts? Uh, Aladdin did better, didn't it? Like in general? Yeah, my only guess is that maybe little boys weren't as interested in The Little Mermaid as my only guess. Whereas Aladdin had. A male and a female like lead, although I would say that Jasmine is probably less of a lead. But yeah, uh, that's my only guess. We, I, I remember we owned it and uh, watched it a lot. Anyway, you watched A Little Mermaid a lot? Yeah, it was a good movie. It's yeah, fucking bet you did. Good songs. Okay, whatever. There's a guy who is going to come up a couple times in these discussions. A voice actor. I discovered in this work who has just worked in everything. His name is Frank Welker and I'll mention him again when he comes up. But Frank Welker is an accomplished voice actor. He did the voice of Abu the monkey. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Now, he also did the voice of, well, I'll tell you what else he did the uh, voice for later in the show. But I think it's interesting that this guy popped up multiple times throughout my research. In some movies, he only voiced very small minor characters. It's kind of like that guy that's in all the
0: movies as like the uh, non-human. He did Golem and Caesar the Ape and Planet of the Apes, you know who I'm talking about? Andy something? Andy
1: Circus? yeah.
0: Yeah, that guy.
1: Uh, yeah, kind of. This guy Frank Welker just must have like he's a really talented voice actor and I didn't realize like how talented these guys have to be and do so many different things. To nah, it's easy. You just got to do a funny voice, Brandon. <laughs> Silly voice. Did you know Aladdin was voiced by this guy named Scott Winger? He was DJ's boyfriend Steve on Full House? Yep, I knew that. All right. Well, fuck it, we'll move on. Now, listen to this. I uh, saw okay. Aladdin in the movie theater for the first time and when I saw mm-hmm. it in the movie theater, there were different words to the song at the beginning. Did you know that? The first song? The opening song is called Arabian Nights. Mm -hmm. The lyrics that you hear now are, where it's flat and immense and the heat is intense. It's barbaric, but hey, it's home. (laughs) Yeah. The original line was, where they cut off your ear if they don't like your face. It's barbaric, but hey, it's home. And the American Arab anti-discrimination committee said like, you can't do that. (laughs) You can't talking about cutting off an ear if they don't like your face. Did that version make it into the, v- the early VHSs? Let's see. The change first appeared on the 1993 video release. Okay. Original lyric was intact on the original CD soundtrack release, and then re releases edited that lyric. The Broadway adaptation also uses the edited line. You'd think that they would come across that
0: before the theatrical release. I mean, it's a major <laughs> release. Oh, no
1: shit. You might also remember there is some controversy, there's a part in the movie where it sounds like someone is whispering, take off your clothes. All good teenagers, (laughs) take off your clothes. Yeah, that, that, that. Right. It's when Aladdin is threatened uh, by the tiger Raja Uh when he's on the balcony. The actual line according to the commentary track on the 2004 DVD uh, admits that voice actor Scott ad-libbed during the scene. They said, we, didn't rec- we did not record that. We d- would not record anything about teenagers taking off your clothes. It's kind of absurd to think that they would hear it and then keep it in. But he said the line was, good tiger, take off and go. And the word tiger is overlapped by the tiger's snarl and making it a little bit harder to tell. I
0: don't know. They
1: removed that line on the DVD release. And I bet if you listen to it on, or watch it on Disney Plus now, it's, uh, it's gone. It's edited out.
0: Disney Plus Now sounds like a new version of Disney Plus. They're going to (laughs) have Disney Plus Now, Disney Plus Then, Disney Plus Go. HBO is like that. They have HBO Now, HBO Go and HBO Max coming out plus the normal HBO. It's too much. (sighs) Too much, yep.
1: All right. Okay. So, lad.
0: Why don't I uh, move into my next guess which will be Beauty and the Beast.
1: Beauty and the Beast is number, guess what number? Five. Yeah, shit, it is five.
0: Knew it. You know, you went on about how Little Mermaid didn't appeal to little boys may as a possible reason it's so
1: low but Beauty and the Beast, you could maybe say the same thing although it does have a beast in it. And the Beast is pretty cool. I mean, he's... It's implied in one scene that he's been attacking animals and eating their carcasses. Wait, Tom Are we on Tom Cruise again? (laughs) Beauty and the Beast, the movie came out in 91, the VHS was released in 92 and it has sold 22 million copies. The most important character in Beauty and the Beast, as we all know, is Gaston. Gaston, the man himself. He should have had his own movie, right? It's
0: kind of interesting that they haven't done anything with that since. Because even like Jafar had an Aladdin sequel about him. Right, he returned. Return of Jafar, it's on Disney+. Plus. I saw it today
1: when I was scrolling through. The Return of Jafar is ranked 14 on the list. That was a straight to VHS, I believe. Yeah, maybe that's part of the reason why but Return of Jafar beat out E.T., Fantasia, Pinocchio, Home Alone, Batman. Home Alone. So, back to Beauty and the Beast and Gaston. Now, I think he should have had his own movie where he hunts and drinks. And fucks. Bangs his way through that little French town and then anybody who gets in his way, he threatens and he'll like, I like the idea that when he threatened Belle, by saying he would throw crazy old Maurice, her dad, into the mental institution, mm-hmm. that that is just his go-to threat for anybody <laughs> who gets in his way that he's going to throw a family member of theirs into a mental institution.
0: I like how it's also strongly
1: implied what you said. He's banged every chick in that town. Yeah, they all love him. Everyone's falling <laughs> all over him. The live action film came out a few years ago. I did not see. Uh, did you? I've seen bits and pieces. All the CGI remakes are kind of creepy to me. But what's the alternative? Don't remake it. <laughs>
0: just watch well, watch the cartoon. <laughs> leaving a billion dollars on the table. I guess. But if you don't have CGI, the alternative is getting some munchkins from Wizard of Oz to, to like really small munchkins to come. What, what was the movie we were just talking about recently about how there was a little person? Oh, it's Chucky from Child's Play. Yeah. That they had a little person sometimes as Chucky. You'd have to do that with the, the fucking Candleman. What's his name? Lumiere. Lumine. That's a cute name, you gotta admit, because it's a play on illumination. I dig it.
1: So, (laughs) animator Glenn Keane was the supervising animator on The Beast, and he created his own hybrid beast by combining the mane of a lion, the beard and the head structure of a buffalo, tusks and the nose bridge of a wild boar, the heavily muscled brow of a gorilla, the legs and tail of a wolf, and the big. Bulky body of a bear, and the ass of a god. Yeah. Did you know in the Chinese dub of the film, awful human being Jackie Chan does the voice acting and singing for the beast? What an odd choice. Why? I guess I've never heard him speak like Mandarin or Chinese, but I just picture him speaking in his Amer- his English accent, and I would I would I'd watch that movie. The Beast did have the hell of an ass on him. Isn't there a thing too where
0: there's a scene where he has a tattoo, remember that? Where like for just a split glimpse of a second, he turns and his shirt's like ripped. I think it's when he's yelling at Belle to get out and he has a, like a heart tattoo on his back shoulder. I'm looking. I think it's a heart, let me see.
1: Okay, right now I see a lot of images of people who got uh, yeah. their own tattoos of the rose.
0: Yeah, I can't find it because you just get a bunch of
1: like real tattoos in the. does sound kind of familiar. Yeah, I didn't realize I was opening Pandora's box of <laughs> Beauty and the Beast tattoos. I think it seems like like half of the tattoos done in the world are of Beauty and the Beast. Here's one of Zombie Bell holding a zombie chip.
0: Why not? A chip? Oh, the, cu- yeah, the little chip,
1: cup. Yeah, chip the little cup boy.
0: I found a, a Beauty and the Beast where Bell is like... In lingerie. <laughs> of course. Don't you love how people always have to sexualize these damn kids' characters? Can't just leave it alone. There's these dads watching Beauty and the Beast with their little four-year-old daughter and they're like, you know, getting a chubby time bell comes on the
1: screen. Just walking around in that apron, turning everybody on. Yep. Okay. So, you have five left. I'm going to guess number one is The Lion King. Number one is The Lion King. I knew it. Came out in 1995, both the VHS and the film, probably rushing to get that thing out by Christmas as well. It has sold 32 million copies and I think it still sells copies today, like people are still seeking out copies of Lion King on VHS. Collectible, yeah. Some quick notes about Lion King I didn't know before. Adult Simba, you know, his voice was by Matthew Broderick but it was sang by a guy named Joseph Williams. Joseph Williams is the lead singer of the band Toto. You know, it sings that song, yeah. uh, Africa. Africa. Uh-huh. And I didn't know this, he is also the son of film composer John Williams. That's the second John Williams reference today. I don't know. James Earl Jones and Madge Sinclair do the voices for Mufasa and Sarabi, the king and queen lions, just like their characters of the king and queen of Zamunda in the movie Coming to America. I don't know if you know this, but the Lion King and Pocahontas were being worked on at the same time. And the A team for Disney was working on Pocahontas, Lion King was the B team. Why is that? They thought Pocahontas would be bigger? They thought Pocahontas would be bigger. I don't know why. Here's my other reference to Frank Welker, voice actor. All of the lion roars in the movie were done by him. That was... How is that? Is that one of the most surprising things that every lion roar was recorded by a man's voice? That shocked me. So, that's why I started getting into like, who is this Frank Welker guy? How can he do that? He also has voiced Scooby-Doo and Megatron, Garfield and Curious George. Is he a regular on any of those? Yeah, he's a regular Scooby-Doo and regular Megatron. The Garfield show, I think he was one of the only voices of Garfield and he also is the voice of in Aladdin, you know, the the tiger's head that comes up the entrance to the Cave of Wonders. He also does that voice.
0: Frank Welker, Jesus. Yeah,
1: this guy's amazing. And yeah, he's just a voice actor. Just a voice actor. Do you know the lyrics for the opening chant to the circle of life?
0: ba da
1: No. So it's <laughs> Na <laughs> I can't do it. It's I'm gonna try to read it. Nats ingonyama, Yama. baba. This is great. See the harm hing na <laughs> Nats! <laughs> Please stop Read the first few lyrics as Dr. Phil there. I'll do the last lyric. Inganyama, Inganyama, Ningu This translates as Now here comes a lion father. Oh yes it's a lion. Here comes a a lion father. Oh yes it's a lion. A lion, we're gonna conquer. A lion, a lion, and a leopard come to this open place. You're fucking shitting me. That's the real lyrics. Yeah, that's what it means <laughs> in uh in uh in whatever language that is.
0: Yeah, I think it's French, right? Why? Why? Why not just ca- a two-year-old could come up with better lyrics than that, or a better meaning well, than that? It's
1: probably something's lost in translation.
0: <laughs> okay,
1: we got it. All right, that's it for Lion King. <laughs> okay. What else would you guess?
0: I'm gonna give a uh, off-the-radar here too. Actually, this prob- this isn't in it but I'll say it anyway, A Fox and the Hound.
1: No, it's not in the top 25. 101 Dalmatians. No, 101 Dalmatians is number 12. Okay. One of these is a completely computer animated film. Toy Story. Toy Story is number 8. Knew it. The VHS came out in 96, the film was released in 95. Sold 19.5 million copies. Everyone is familiar with Toy Story, the characters and the stories for the most part. I guess... Not people in North Korea. The main thing that I want to address with Toy Story is can you kill a toy in the Toy Story universe? Yes. I know that they blew up Combat Carl, right? In the first one? Right. But they also can take toys apart and put them, their pieces back together and make a new toy. So, at what point is there not enough toy left? For it to be conscious?
0: Well, I guess no, because in the f- in the fourth one, the new one,
1: have you seen it? I've seen uh about half of it. Yeah. What'd you do? Go to the theater, see the first half, and then fall asleep? No, we were watching we are watching it at home, and I had other things to do while my kid was watching it. Yeah. Hot dogs to eat. I know about Forky and creating Forky and how he sort of came to life,
0: which is kind of weird in its own. But there's a cat in the toy store that rips apart a stuffed animal. Mm-hmm. But you're right because the top half of that stuffed animal, I think he's a horse, he is in the little toy bar club
1: later, half of him still alive. And they're like, hey, I saw your better half out there. Joking. It's weird. At some point, there's not enough toy left for it to be sentient anymore.
0: But also, when does the toy first come to life? Because think about the toy factory. There's people or elves if you want to go there. There's people putting these toys together for the first time and the second the toy is finished. You'd think it would open its eyes and look around and be like, what the fuck is this? Where am I? Who am I? But they don't. They wait until there's no people around. Or maybe
1: until they're property of a child.
0: But they're not all like that though because there's some that aren't the property of yeah, a child. Yeah, that's
1: true. And when the, in the second or third one when they go to the toy barn... Second one. And it's full of uh, Buzz Lightyear toys. Mm-hmm. Aren't some of them sentient in the box?
0: Yeah, they are. It is weird when you think too hard about it. The Toy Story got some problems with the toy story and narrative. <laughs>
1: the science falls apart under uh, scrutiny. Yeah. You have three left. Now, one of them, we've actually mentioned before, the film and the movie, the film and the VHS Pocahontas. came out. Pocahontas. Pocahontas is number nine on the list. I'm kind of shocked that it beat Little Mermaid, Bambi, Home Alone. Bambi, damn. And I've got some Pocahontas facts for you. Spit them. Came out in 95, VHS in 96, sold 17 million copies. Mel Gibson was the voice of John Smith. No way. Mel Gibson is a Disney prince. How did I not know that? It was one of the main selling points of the film to me. Now, in the film, John Smith fights Godzilla? Kukum oh. for Pocahontas' affection, and he wins, which some critics say symbolizes Western Europe's domination of the Americas and the white man's domination over men of color. <sighs> the real Pocahontas. Her name was Madoaka. Pocahontas was just a nickname that meant like little one or or small girl. She was only 10 or 11 years old at the time that John Smith was around. Ew. He was 28. There is no evidence fortunately for them having a romantic relationship. However, an English colonists did capture Pocahontas three years after John Smith left for England and when she was there, she converted to Christianity and later married John Rolfe. Who's John Rolfe? He was another one of those guys who was hanging out with John Smith.
0: Well, welcome to the team, Pocahontas.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Poco. So, now two left. Both of these are films that were released decades before their VHS was released. Both animated Disney films. Snow White. Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs is number two. That was surprising to me. It has sold 27 million copies. Original movie came out in 1937. The VHS came out when The Vault opened up in 94. Do you remember at the end of the movie, I didn't realize this, that Snow White laid in that forest after she ate the poison apple for a year? No. Yeah, I I thought it was like... How come animals didn't eat her? I know, I thought it was a couple days. Uh, In the story, it's a year before the prince shows up to kiss her. And I also think it's kind of lame that at the end of the movie, just have this random prince walk in and kiss her and save the day. They should have had dopey kiss her. (laughs) Yeah.
0: I'm going to address the Dopey thing but first I want to ask, she would have died from not eating and drinking, number one. The prince is a creepy motherfucker for coming up and kissing a, what could be a corpse for all he knows. An unconscious woman. Who knows what else he did to her. And Dopey, he doesn't know what sex is or kissing, he doesn't know any of that. He's an innocent young
1: man. A Little baby man.
0: Yeah, they do, y- you can almost forget that Dopey is an adult, I think,
1: based on the way he looks and acts. Yeah. At a recording session, Lucille Laverne, the lady who voiced the Wicked Queen, was told by the animators they would need an older or or raspier version of the Queen's voice for the old witch. So, she stepped out of the recording booth, returned a few minutes later and gave a perfect old hag's voice that stunned the animators and when they asked her how she did it, she said, oh, I just took my teeth out.
0: (sighs) It's like you when you're getting ready to hit record on the Tennish podcast.
1: Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs was Adolf Hitler's favorite film along with King Kong and Sun Valley Serenade. Good. It's the highest grossing animated film of all time adjusted for inflation and I don't know if you knew this, Snow White is the youngest Disney princess. Her age is 14. How do we know that? I don't know. I guess Disney told us that. It is interesting
0: that back when Snow White came out, we look at it now as a kid's movie but at the time, it was... I don't think it was marketed that way really. I think everybody just went it. was just mind-blowing. A mind-blowing feat. And it's pretty dark. The Queen sends a hunter to go kill her.
1: Yes. I, mean, uh, I read that some of the direction given to the animators in terms of tone and style was one of the films they were instructed to see was Nosferatu.
0: That's it, Yeah. Crazy. And you know, we're coming up on, it's not that far off from being 100 years since this film came out.
1: Yeah. We live too far in the future now. We do. Okay. One more on the list. Again, it came out decades before the VHS. The VHS was released in 1988, sold 17 million copies. Sleeping Beauty. Not Sleeping Beauty. Good guess though, right? Good guess. Give me 11 through 15. 11 through 15. Number 11 is Toy Story 2. 12 is 101 Dalmatians. 13 is Shrek. 14 is Return of Jafar, 15 is E.T. the Extraterrestrial. Shrek came
0: out in like 01 or 02. That's very late in the VHS world. That
1: and How the Grinch Stole Christmas in 2001 are the most recent VHS's released on here.
0: I owned both of those on VHS. Mm -hmm. Okay. This came out before...
1: The film came out in 1950. Cinderella. Cinderella is number 10 on the list. Knew it. Cinderella, the VHS was released in 98, I'm sorry, 88. The film came out in 50. Now, in, after World War II, Walt Disney Productions was more than $4 million in debt. they were on the verge of bankruptcy.
0: God, that's so crazy to think about now. In
1: 1948, they kind of had all hands on deck, all their top animators get together and save the studio and they worked on Cinderella. It became the greatest critical and commercial hit for them since Snow White. It reversed the studio's fortunes and won three Academy Awards couple questions and points I have about the movie. She and the prince, Cinderella and the prince are both I think two of the blandest classic characters in the Disney, in the Disney repertoire. Mm-hmm. Excluding the initial prologue that explained how that stepmother came into Cinderella's life and excluding the closing wedding scene, just the, the little intro and the epilogue. The whole main story of the film, I did not realize, takes place over a 24-hour period. Huh, yeah, I didn't know that. She starts her day with her chores. The prince's ball is that evening and then she successfully tries on the lost slipper the following morning.
0: Isn't it interesting how and the theme in all these early Disney movies is that the prince doesn't even fucking know the princess and then they just fall in love at once and kiss. He
1: and swoops in at the end and makes everything mm-hmm. okay. Yeah, it's uh, it's not something that really holds up now but I mean, it's like uh, in the movie Sleeping Beauty, the main character is asleep at the end and this prince who just sort of wandered up in the forest and danced with her and was kind of... You know, he is more of a character in the movie. You can tell he has a good heart and stuff but... Good heart on, am I right? You know, he, uh, he's the one who slays the scariest Disney villain, in my opinion, uh, Maleficent because she turns into a fire-breathing dragon right after she says, and all the powers of hell. Yeah, that's intense. for <laughs> That's pretty big for a kid's movie. Yeah. So, that's it. That's top 10 best-selling VHS tapes of all time. Again, starting at number 10, they were Cinderella. 9 is Pocahontas, 8, Toy Story, 7, Jurassic Park, 6, Independence Day, 5, Beauty and the Beast, 4, Titanic, 3, Aladdin, 2, Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs and number one selling VHS of all time, The Lion King. The Lion King. See, I could have been The Lion too. Was that Frank Welker?
0: Yeah, Frank Welker, listener of the show, tennis patron in fact. Remind everyone to rewind this episode before you return it to your local video store Thanks for listening. Thanks for that list, Brandon. We'll be back next week with episode sixty-five, special Q and A episode. And if you haven't already, be sure to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at TennisPod. Brandon, what else do you want to
1: say? Send your cues so we can a them. That's right. We want to a the living shit out of your cues. <laughs> Send your quilts so we can ask them. All right. Thank you and goodbye. Thanks.